welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Value Adds Value. Uh, my name is Kyle Krieger. Unfortunately, Wilkie, for the second week in a row, is in a GT training and had to miss this podcast. But we are so pumped to have an educator that we've been following for a while now, um, Kiana Funderberg, on the podcast. Kiana, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. No problem. So happy to be here. Yeah. So um, I got connected to you through Instagram and through some of the online conferences, which you've been a part of, which your sessions are, um, have been really, really good. So we definitely wanted to get a chance to talk with you. Um, so, so with that being said, could you just to get started, give our listeners a little bit of your background and how it is you got into the education profession? Sure. Um, my name is Kiana Sunderberg and I teach fifth grade math science and social studies um, in Metro Atlanta. Um, I've been teaching for about six years and uh, late 2018, I decided to make a teacher Instagram because I was always sharing like what was happening in my classroom with my personal friends. And I think they were just kind of getting tired of it. Um, so I made a new platform for that. Um, and since then, a lot, well, in the last year, or so there's just been a lot of evolution. Um, I am now a part of the Teacher Hard Out Conference, um, so presenting a couple sessions for that, and I've been able to connect with a lot of other teachers in that way, um, and just, yeah, I started a blog, I uh, started a YouTube channel, all under the Art of Phonology, um, which is my Instagram, and that's me. You know, and, and I wanted to ask you this talk, you know, just because when I first started, like, 2008, 2009, online professional development wasn't a thing there was no like teacher instagram so i'm interested is that where you're getting the majority of your professional development the ideas the things you pick up for your classroom in especially in 2020 for sure um i pretty much lean on social media for my pd uh especially because at work like at my school, a lot of us are still just trying to survive and figure it out. Um, so the PD part there isn't necessarily the main focus, which is understandable. We have a lot going on. Um, so if I'm seeking out ideas or just needing some help, there's been tons of sessions virtual um, with different people presenting different information. So I have a couple of memberships, but also just what people post on Instagram or post on YouTube is really helpful with navigating um, teaching in this time. Do you think, because, you know, I have, I have a personal Instagram and then we have our teacher Instagram. Do you think kind of the way, have people opened up a little more during the pandemic about what they're really going through and and maybe it's just because of the time that we're in and the things that have happened but I feel like there's just this like renewed surge of authenticity among teachers of people saying like this is what is actually going on because really mm -hmm. I I fell into the trap of 
looking at people's Instagrams and being like, Oh my God, they're the most amazing teacher I've ever seen and, and trying to do those things. But do you feel like there's kind of this surge of people being real with what their situation is recently? I think so. And I really think it's because like at this point you can't take the funk, you know, like what we've been presented with, um, you can't really make it pretty um, in a lot of situations. So I think people are being more authentic because also everyone can relate. Um, so there's really no need to make things look super pretty or um, Instagram worthy, as they say. Um, like right now, it's the time that we all can rely on each other and the realness. Um, it helps when everybody else is being real because now we have that community to depend on. Yeah, and it's and it's so strange to me because I I remember it's only been in like the last couple of years that I've been at schools that were even taking online professional development for like credit hours. Like wow. when when I first started teaching in Houston, like you had to fill out this whole big form that to try to prove that your online professional development was valid. And now, and and obviously now it's because it's the only form of professional development out there. I, I I'm just so interested in how it's how it how it's changing, and mm-hmm. and what it'll be going forward. But so when we started this podcast, oh my god, going on four years ago now, we we wanted to just have a show where we help teachers become what their kids deserve. So when we say the phrase the kind of teacher kids deserve, what comes to mind for you? Um, When I think about being the teacher that my students deserve, I really think about um, their life beyond their time with me. Like, what am I doing to set them up for success in the future? Like, it's great to be the best teacher in fifth grade and give them the best experiences and have them have the fun memories and they know all the content. Um, But even better is like teaching them those life skills like how you communicate with um a new person especially if you're trying to seek out an opportunity or things like that and just making sure they have those life skills that help them navigate the different things that will come across in math or in life like it's important to make sure they have a good math understanding for middle school um but even more than that i think it's setting them up for life beyond that life beyond fifth grade yeah, yeah. Wilkie was and I were talking over the summer and he, he said this phrase and I don't and I'm gonna kinda paraphrase it, but he's like, I don't try to build the relationships with kids for the ten months I have them. I I want it to be a lifetime relationship and, and being that you were an elementary teacher, you haven't gotten to the point where you get the first set of kids that are graduating. Right. But like, oh my goodness, that moment, like the first time I remember the first time I got a graduation invite. I remember the first time I got being in Houston, like, you know, they do the quinceanera for the, for the Hispanic mm-hmm. kids. I remember the first time I got invited to one of those. I, I like had to ask if it was okay that I went like to the people I teach mm-hmm. with. And they're like, if you, if you got invited to that, you better, you better <laughs> show up, you know, and now, now I have kids that I taught that are in their twenties. And, wow. and I still, and I still, every once in a while, I get a message from a few of them. They'll just check in on me and, and say, ask me how I'm doing. So that, that part is, that, that part has been huge. So uh, we love that. Oh, 
yeah i look forward to that part for sure yeah. like i say that all the time like i can't yeah. wait until mm-hmm. um I see my kids graduate and just see how they grow up. Like right now it's still a mystery. Like how will they end or not end, but how will this go? You know, like mm-hmm. what path will they take? Um, but now they're just in middle school. So <laughs> they haven't you know, gone too and, far. and the thing that is funny too is, and I know this from my personal experience, like just because you teach them something in fifth grade doesn't mean it, it might not take hold with them until they're in high school or an adult or you, you never know when that lesson is going to click for, right. click for somebody. And and that's the fun part I had. So over the summer, I got a message from a kid who I taught three years ago that when he was a freshman and now he's a senior and he was like, Hey, you know, me and some of the boys were, we're just talking about, you know, being, you know, the fact that we're seniors and, and looking back on it. And he said, I just wanted you to know that I appreciate that you always had my back. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, you got it. And it's like literally a kid I hadn't heard from in two and a half years. That's amazing. But that's that, that part is, it it makes the, it makes the hard time better. So for sure, we do also love to ask the question of who was your favorite teacher? And why? Um, my favorite teacher was my fourth grade teacher, Miss Stallman. Um, I think she's my favorite teacher because she was just very real with me. Um, like she wasn't the overly nice teacher that's like super sweet and super huggy. Um, it was more like a mama esque type of teacher. Like I love you, but I also expect this from you. Um, and I I appreciate that so much. Like. And when I think about the teacher I want to be, I think about her because I have some great memories with her. Like we had a lot of fun times. Like she was really fun, really silly, but she also had high expectations and she didn't deal with my like spoiledness or my crybabiness. Like she shut it down, you know? Um, And like, I still am in communication with her now. Um, Like almost 20 years later, it's crazy. Um, So yeah, she's definitely my favorite. And do you notice that like with you and your teaching or with the teachers you had that really made a difference that authenticity was like kind of a, a quality that all those teachers had? Cause it's when I was in college, I had a professor tell me that he didn't wear a wedding ring cause it wasn't his kid's business, whether or not he was married. Interesting. And that was still like, and, and that wasn't uncommon in my generation. And, and I went, I went to, I graduated high school in 03. So I'm older than you, but not that much older. Right. Like, and, and that was just a strange thing. Cause I think that kind of set me up in a spot where I was thinking that I had to look and be a certain way. So, you know, with yourself and, and with teaching in general, what do you think the value of being authentic is? I think it's, it's very high value. Um, I can't really imagine hiding that or like why you would need to hide that. Like students, they don't need to know every personal detail, but they also like to connect. Like that's the human factor in education is that like, I have these things or I did this this weekend. What did you do? Um, And students that helps to build those relationships. But it also helps to build trust. If you're like this mystery of a person, um, how can they actually 
get to know you or connect with you or trust you or anything like that. So I think it's really important to be authentic mm-hmm. and they can see through the fake too. Um, oh. I think sometimes teachers forget that, especially in elementary. They think like, oh, <laughs> they know when it's inauthentic. Um, so I think that's important to be very real. You know, and, and I, I think I would, if I were an elementary teacher, I would fall prey to that, that you can, you can kind of talk down to them and they won't realize what you're, what you're doing. But, you know, now I have a five-year-old nephew Mm -hmm. and like, he's taught me some valuable lessons on (laughs) like, Hey, uncle Kai Kai, you didn't say that before. Like he remembers the things that I've said. And if I don't say the same thing again, he's like. Hey, you didn't say that, and I was like, "Oh boy!" And he's, he's like, <laughs> he's like five, right? So, under they're fully totally capable. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, just it is the middle of October when we record this. How are things going so far this year? This year has been very different. Um, I know, like on social media, a lot of people are saying, "Like this is like my first year teaching all over again." Uh, but my first year of teaching was kind of not bliss, but kind of close. <laughs> so um, I I don't know. You know how they say that ignorance is bliss. So there's a lot of things I guess I didn't know about teaching. Not I guess. I'm, I know I didn't know about teaching. And so it was really enjoyable. And it was a lot of connecting with my students. Like I knew the content, um, but I didn't know how much better I could be. Um, but I was excited to go to work every day. Um, I didn't really have many, like, much strife in this year it's not the same um because when you have your first year of teaching you have your student teaching experience so there's things that you can build off of but here like I am recreating the will in a lot of ways and I'm at a new school um this year so it's navigating hybrid teaching or digital teaching navigating where is this thing at the school who do I ask to do blah 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 um so it's just a lot a lot a lot of like figuring things out um, but I think by October, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Like there's still a couple of days now where I'm like, take two steps forward, take one step back. Um, but for the most part, it's not like every day I'm like, okay, got to be here till six to figure out what I'm going to do tomorrow and how my classroom should look and blah, blah, blah. So there's definitely more of a flow, which is appreciated. How, <laughs> when you have that moment, where you feel like I need to stay here until whatever time it takes me to get that stuff done. How are you, what do you tell yourself to let yourself know that like you, you don't actually need to do this and that you have to prioritize certain things. Honestly, that's a hard thing for me to tell myself is more of my body telling me like this, and I also know this is not my first year of teaching because I feel like I could do whatever, whenever, but now my, like, I feel it, like, I feel drained, I feel heavy, you know, and so it's, like, as much as I want to stay at work, like, my brain's telling me you have to do this, my body's, like, no, like, I just sit there, like, feel, like, just so heavy, and so I have to leave because nothing's being done, I'm just kind of sitting in my classroom looking around getting more overwhelmed, Um, so I think, yeah, this year, my body has definitely been also trying to adjust to all of this. I think also, like, sitting at home for three, four months, like, I was sleeping all the time. And so, like, not sleeping as much, I feel those effects. Um, yeah, I don't have it in me as much as I did before. No, for sure. For sure. So kind of on on that same 
are you having to scale back curriculum? Are you having to just say, hey, I can only get through this certain amount of content? Or are you trying to just plow through as as much as you can? Because, you know, like I was told you a little bit prior to us recording, like, I'm a full virtual teacher. And I feel like I had conferences this week. And that was the most time I'd spent with a lot of my kids. And, you know, in a in a virtual face to face setting. So how how are you prioritizing, you know, the relationship piece and all of that, knowing that you can't really just get as much done as you would have in the past? Uh, so the relationship piece, we still try to hit on a daily basis through our morning meeting. Um, so I am hybrid, so I have both my digital and in-person. And we meet with those kids for about like the mixture of those kids through Zoom um, every morning. But we... Our governor or our school board for the state, um, we are still having state testing at the end of the school year. So we don't really have the option to just take our time. So yes, we are behind. I mean, that's going to happen in 2020, but we can't be so behind that we don't teach all the content before April. And they've made made that decision already that they're going to go forward with state testing. People are still trying to fight it, but as of now, um, we well, we thought that all states were going to be pardoned, and um, our school board has said no. And so there's one member of the school board that's still fighting to hopefully get it canceled, but we have been told to prepare for testing. Um, it's likely that we'll be testing in Georgia. Wow. wow. That's, oh my goodness, that's crazy to me. But, you know, in realizing, and, and I don't want to talk, negatively about anyone who teaches social studies but every time we have something like this i realize kind of how far down the totem pole social studies actually is yeah i mean because in minnesota where i where i teach now and in texas where i taught social studies isn't even state tested until like the eighth or ninth grade wow so for me they're tested in fifth well they have to pass it in fifth wow i mean so for me like I, you know, social studies doesn't have that same kind of, kind of barrier, like you have to get through all this content. Mm. And, and I teach at a, a, a K-8 charter. And I think that has been really nice this year, because it does give us so much flexibility. And it's a lot easier for us to pivot. But my assistant principal was just like, hey, pick what's really, really important and start there. And then the more you can add and the more you can can do at it. But it's just been, you know, like looking, you know, I like I said, I have friends who teach in Texas and I I wanna say they still are planning to do their testing. They're gonna try, I think. But it's just man, it it it, it just I don't I don't understand like in a I'm trying to empathize with that you know, like empathizing with a teacher's position who is, like you said, because when you said you just feel heavy, you just feel drained. Like I'm at home teaching from home, but I feel way more tired virtual teaching than I ever did in-person teaching. So I'm just trying to empathize with a teacher who is in that position, who still has that, that, that's still the mark that you, you've got to get through all this content. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Like, and that's why I feel like this, is not um 
equal to my first year of teaching. It's, right. It truly is like uncharted territory. Um, but I was talking to one of my colleagues uh, the other afternoon and she was just saying, she is an older teacher. Um, and she's saying like, one day you'll be my age and you're going to be telling a new teacher, like back in my day, I did blah, blah, blah. I survived teaching in 2020. <laughs> and she's like, um, so yeah, it's hard, but you'll, you'll have a story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and that just made me think too, imagining what it's like, what it's like to be a first year teacher this year. But then I had a, a friend who told me they're like, they don't know anything different. True. They student taught in the spring. And then they were sent home to do virtual and, you know, it's, it's crazy. But so, so for you, what we really like, especially about your Instagram and your TPT store is everything is about engagement. Everything is about, like you said, bringing fun to the classroom. So over these last, you know, seven ish months or whatever we've been doing, how, how has engagement changed in the classroom and, and kind of what advice would you give to teachers who are struggling to get that engagement? Um, that's a great question. So engagement looked a certain way when I was in the classroom. Um, engagement meant like lots of, I really, my big thing was changing the scene. So like doing classroom transformations. Um, so you would walk, well, the students would walk in and they would be surprised because I wouldn't warn them. I wouldn't say like, oh, tomorrow we're going to have a room transformation. It's just like, hey, make sure you come to school tomorrow. And that was also kind of like an incentive to make sure my kids like would build the, uh, the attendance. Um, so that make sure you're at school tomorrow. They would walk in and then the cl the classroom would be like a Halloween, whatever, like super gory and all of those things. Um, but the math would still be there. Like the teaching and the content, the rigor is still there. It just looks different. It's kind of like dressed up. Um, it, or it's now transformed into an activity that makes them still think about the math, but they don't really think that they're thinking about the math because they're digging in the fear factor box for eyeballs, but they're solving math word problems. Um, so I can't do that. Um, even with my hybrid kids, like the kids in person, I can't do that this Halloween. And so I've been trying to still set the, the, the scene a little bit. Um, so we did like a race car thing to compare decimals. And so for my in-person kids, like I still pulled out the cones and, I like had the race car sound so my kids that were on Zoom could hear that in the background. Um, and I still have my checkerboard on. Um, so it's just a little bit toned down, I guess. But for these students, that's still kind of exciting because not much else is happening. And I think honestly, if you come to class with just a different outfit on that matches your lessons, your kids are going to be looking at you a little, they might pay more attention to you than they did the day before just because it's something different. So just thinking about those ways to change up their typical day-to-day -day so that it's not mundane and making it to where it's not a distraction for the students but something that will make them better um, engaged and willing to learn um, I think that's important mm, I love that and and what what advice would you give to teachers who you know because we were talking a little bit about Instagram and and how it can give you a false sense of what like a classroom is like so we can look you know we can look at a room transformation and think that that's actually the thing but like you said math is still really the thing it's just the the transformation is a vehicle so what advice would you give to teachers who are you know spending time doing things like room transformations or you know when i'm recording my videos how, how do you 
how do you make sure that you're still keeping the main thing, the main thing that your content is still at the center, not, not getting lost in that aesthetic or whatever it might be? I think the easiest way to do that is to plan the content first. Um, you plan the content first and then you see, well, what real life situation could I connect to this? Instead of thinking like, oh, it's Halloween. Um, I'm going to, or what am I teaching at this time? Or oh, could the pumpkins be this? Or could the skeletons be this? Now you're making the skeletons more important or the pumpkins more important instead of thinking like with the comparing decimals race cars. I knew we were doing comparing decimals and I was thinking like, where is it important to order decimals? Well, in race times, we have to compare decimals and I knew that would be even better for my students because they are typically thinking like greatest to least, but in order to win a race, you have to go from least to greatest. So making them think that or think about that in the situation. Um, so I think it's best to think about what you're teaching and then see what can fit with it. How can you enhance that? Not, Oh, I really love what's like a popular change? Like I really love hospitals. So we're going to do a hospital transformation. I'm just going to do all these random activities so that it looks like we're in a hospital um, because then the the message or like the main thing that you're teaching just becomes that becomes the accessory to the hospital rather than the hospital becoming the accessory to the learning mm. yeah and that's and that's something that I think about so with my teaching I'm I'm recording four videos a week so I'm really not doing any like live content delivery to kids right now which has been like really challenging because it's hard for I, I don't get to engage with kids but you just made me think about you know what could I do how could I change the setting of my even just my videos or how could I do different things it, it makes me like kind of have that renewed sense and and I love what you said about saying okay this is what I'm I'm teaching let me find something that fits rather than trying to fit you know like I've, I've seen ones that are like Super Mario Brothers or Harry Potter and you're like, oh my God, that's the coolest. But like Super Mario Brothers and Harry Potter don't fit into like modern U.S. history, which is what I teach. <laughs> right. You know, for me and, and one of the things I got last spring was I got a green screen and, you know, like I, I record my videos on Zoom so I could really easily just start there with having a random background that right. was fitting within the content so it's it's good I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of of things things like that so you were saying that you just transitioned from a little lower elementary to fifth grade how's that been going um it's been going well I actually taught fifth grade last year at my old oh. school I have bounced a lot of grades at my old school I was there for about five years so I taught second for two years um and we have K-5 at our elementary schools. Right. Um, so I taught second and then I looped with my class to third grade. And I taught that for two years. And then I went to fifth grade last year because teaching all the contents can be pretty overwhelming. Um, and so I wanted to just teach math. So I did that last year. And then I moved to this school. And now I'm teaching math, science, and social studies. Mm. Um, so the transition, I think, would be a lot more smooth if it wasn't also adding the whole navigating I mean, navigating the whole teaching in 2020 thing. Right, right. Um, like starting at a new school is already different. You're trying to get to know people, but it's also really hard to learn people when they have masks on. Um, it's hard yeah. to learn names and like faces. And it's also hard to see each other because we 
or we have to be safe. So a lot of times we're in the classroom. So I feel like outside of fifth grade and my admin team, I don't know most people at my school. Um, so it's definitely going to take longer to get to know people and for them to get to know me. Mm. You know, and that was kind of the thing. Like I said, I was I was doing virtual conferences and with some of the kids, I had to like go on to their their grade book page and like look at their picture to make sure I knew that that was the kid who it was because we our our school chose not to require kids to have their camera on Mm. so so there are some students where I hardly ever see their face wow so that I think that has been um the the most challenging piece for me is because normally by six weeks in, I've got a good bead of all of my kids and, right. and that. So it's just been, it's been, it's been different. But like, like you said, I think I can't believe how fast this year has gone. Seriously. It's, it's gone so quickly. So um, one more kind of just on the, on the teaching front question that I want to ask you before we get you out of here is I do love that you, you post, books about you know about equity or whatever and 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 I do feel like something that's different from when I started teaching or got into teaching is that teachers are way more vocal about their social and political beliefs and Mm -hmm. and you know and and a lot of them use their platforms to do that so from your perspective you know what what is the role now of a teacher um you know, in, in social, in the, in the social arena and the political arena? Um, I feel like, do you mean in the classroom or just over, like, as oh, teachers? Let's, let's, let's just start with overall. Um, I think overall, I think teachers have to acknowledge that they do help shape the future. Um, I think a lot of older teachers um, caution you to speak about politics and things like that but even without speaking on it those they still have those beliefs and those biases or whatever that they have had all these years they still come out and so you may not be explicitly saying um I believe so and so but you not speaking to this or maybe treating someone a certain way kind of still tells that message and so I don't think it's inappropriate at all for a teacher to have political beliefs and be willing to share those um, on social media or to their colleagues. Like we're all adults. That's not saying that you have to agree um, with students. So they're in the classroom. I don't really think it's super appropriate to say like I'm a liberal and this is because why or I'm conservative and this is because why. I think our job as teachers is just to inform students on so that they can make informed decisions. I feel like a lot of things I learned as an adult that I could have learned as a child because someone was afraid to talk to me about it or maybe didn't even know about it themselves. And so in my classroom, I just tried to expose them to different historical figures um, and talk about different socioeconomic things or social emotional things just because they're going to need those life skills. These are things that will help them later. And I tell my students all the time, like, I teach you these things so that when you're an adult, you behave better than the people that you see on TV. Like, there's no reason that you can't have the same 
I mean, that you can't have different opinions and you have to argue. Um, and so that's why we read those stories and we have those discussions because I'm like, you guys are going to be better adults than the ones that you see often um, handling situations now. You know, and, and for me, teaching eighth grade social studies, I started the year talk for almost a week about how do you sort out information that's true based on everything that is out there for you? Right. You know, how, how do you get beyond that, whatever particular echo chamber um, of what you're listening to, to try to figure out what the truth is, you know, just, you know, asking kids to do things like, Hey, watch, watch the presidential or the vice presidential debate and tell me what you think. And so many of my kids who watched the first presidential debate called it frustrating. <laughs> and I just asked them, I'm like, did you learn anything more than what you already knew about the candidates? And they were like, no, they did the same thing. They, they always do. But I think that's something for me that has been, um, you know, trying to to work with students on that is just you know because when I was in school you still I still had to go to the library and use encyclopedias Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I got to high school and college that like I really started using a computer as my primary right but you know now these kids are you know on those devices all the time they have access to unlimited information so working with them to to be able to look beyond just whatever particular news source they have. And I think, you know, for me, I didn't, I, when I was in school, people didn't talk about trauma. People didn't Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, the effects that a divorce was having on someone. And maybe they did. I just wasn't party to it, but I, in my college and, you know, in my early teaching career, we didn't talk about really like, you know, what these kids are going through and how trauma informs this. And, and really, even for me, growing up in a small town in Wisconsin, with zero diversity, like, I remember having one black student in my high school for like, a few months. And we only had, and, and we only had a few Hispanic students and a few Native American students. My college wasn't much better. And then I moved to Houston, which is like the most diverse city in the entire country. Right. So, you know, you learn and and you grow and do that. But now I'm now I'm back close to where I grew up and I'm face to face with all of these things that I never saw Mm. growing up. Yeah. And and having to come to grips with with that and and you know for me choosing the spots where i think i can make a difference because i i still see people that i've known my whole life and i hear them say things that are awful and i have to ask myself like do i want to wade into those waters do i want to get myself Mm -hmm. into that because i can't i can't believe the people that are in their 50s and 60s and the things they're willing to say to other people online. Right. And I just look at it and I have to ask myself, you know, is, is that my spot? And, and, and I guess what I'm asking you as, you know, as someone who's kind of in that too, like, how do you, how do you choose where, where to, where to share and, and who you share those certain things with? Uh, that's a hard 
that's a hard one. I think I still am trying to navigate that. Um, like I, I've posted some things online that like my parents haven't agreed with and they were not happy, but I, I, at the same time feel like I have to be my like authentic self. And I don't think any beliefs, like you say, like you can't believe some people post some, some things out there that are like blatantly disrespectful. I don't think that I, well, not, I don't think I never share anything that will hurt someone else and like like you're an idiot you're this you're scum whatever my belief saying that like black teachers matter black lives matter that's not um an opinion that's t- attacking someone else and so I think what guides me and what I decide to share is just knowing that that's my truth and that's just who I am um and so if I were to choose not to share that that would be hiding a part of myself and yeah, not everybody needs to know everything, but I think that these are things that matter just because sometimes others need to, like, they want to relate and they don't know how to relate. Or maybe some other people, like you say, like, you went back home, some people just are unknowing. Like, maybe it's not intentional. They just have no other experiences that would have taught them any different. Um, and so that's what helped guide me with sharing. Yeah, and I think that's what I found because so, I mean a lot of the people who live in my small town have never lived anywhere else. They've never had. And, and that's what I've tried to say. And I know I should do it more, but I, I just want to ask those people, like, have you ever lived in a minority community? Have you ever spent time around African-Americans or Hispanic people? And I, and I know the answer already. When I ask them, the answer is going to be no. Right. And just starting there and just say, hey, that's that's not been my experience. That's- I think that's a great place to start um, because they only are hearing things, like you said, like from the Internet or through TV. And it's not right. real experiences. So if you like were to just post it, you're not attacking them like, well, ha- like, have you experienced this for yourself? Like, have you seen this? And just kind of right. see where that conversation takes you. Mm, I love that. Oh, it's something, you know, like, like, yeah, this year, especially, but the last few years, it's, there's, there's so much more that, that goes into it. And it's just the craziest time, like, just in general. So hopefully, no matter what, hopefully, no matter what the um, outcome of the election, things will simmer down a little bit afterwards. But all right, so we have... We have two questions that we like to use to kind of wrap up wrap up the podcast. So the first one is, if you could have a billboard that every student would pass sometime on their educational journey and, and take it to heart, what would that billboard say? Hmm. That's so hard. Because I think about like what I think as a teacher to my students. I think like what Jed says, um, Jed Jerry, which is love first, teach second. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like as a student, like a message that they would take with them, that's not necessarily something that they would take with them. Uh, something I would want my students to know is that, I don't know, it's the power of yet. Like, it's okay if you don't know it yet, but that doesn't mean it's okay for you to stop trying. Like, Mm-hmm. it'll happen like when you work towards something it'll happen so it's the power of yet yeah that would be me that's something I definitely hit on a lot in my class and also just embracing mistakes 
um, students always seem to think that's foreign by the time they get to my classroom. Like, you're not in my classroom to not make mistakes. That's why you're here, because I need to teach you. I expect mistakes. We need to make mistakes. Um, and you haven't gotten it yet, but you will. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, so for before we ask you the final question, um, for people that want to connect with you, I know you said it a little bit earlier, but where are the best places to connect with you and to you know get resources and stuff like that? Uh, the best place where I'm most active is Instagram. Um, my Instagram is the art of funology, like ology, like study the study of something, and fun are the first few letters of my last name. Um, you can also find me under that same name on Twitter, um, on YouTube. And, um, yeah, that's mostly where I am. I'm most active on Instagram, though, so you're going to get most of your content there. I'm starting to expand with the Twitter and the YouTube, so mm-hmm. they're still new. Mm-hmm. And I like I just had a moment where I felt like I, I felt kind of dumb because I didn't even put together that fun is the first three <laughs> letters of your last name, even though I've, I follow you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, like, fun, like, being fun. But that's... I love that. So catchy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I definitely play on that in the classroom. Like, they're like, Miss Fun. I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, all right. So, final question before we get you out of here. When all the classes are done, all the bells have rang, all your kids are through, what do you want your legacy as a teacher to be? I want my legacy to be that my students knew that I love them and that's why they have the things they have for me um like everything is guided through love like I may be teaching you these lessons because I love you so much I want you to see I want to see you succeed um I'm teaching you this because I want you to succeed um and just like I think about my fourth grade teacher like in the moment in fourth grade like when she would tell me no or tell me like look you're being a brat whatever um it seemed maybe harsh especially for John McQueen Kiana you know but I know now that like she was literally just trying to she wanted the best for me she didn't want me to grow up to be this bratty child or that that was right. crying all the time um and I think that's like a kind of love that is so valuable like someone not just telling you the good the good things because they want you to grow and be better um so just knowing that like I would want them to be the best that they can be um from this point forward from the time they're with me mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome right? and like I said I'm I'm hoping um because Wilkie and I have been connected with the teacher heart out people since you know the first or second event we had been going kind of on the team and doing set up and tear down and all those guys. I, and I had just talked to Eric Crouch not that long ago about how great it's going to be when we do get to go back and, and be in person and do those things. So I'm hoping yes. crossing my fingers, that'll be sometime soon and we'll get to, uh, we'll get to meet you in person, but oh, man, it was such a great conversation. If there's ever anything you want to talk about, if you ever just feel like you want to be on a podcast, all you got to do is send me an email and we would be happy to uh to chat with you because i think i think wilkie would really he had he was really disappointed because they kind of sprung um the gt training so he had only two pieces that were like synchronous training and they happened Mm -hmm. to be this morning so Mm -hmm. he was 
So he was, but he is a, you know, a sixth grade math teacher. And I know he loves talking math with anybody who wants to talk math. So we'll have to bring you back. But yeah, Gianna, sure. thanks so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. We had great conversations. Thanks. Fam, thanks for checking out this episode with Kiana Funderburg of the Value Adds Value Podcast, man. Uh, just a great episode. A lot of really good perspective for me, especially virtual teaching for everybody who's kind of in those spots to just have perspective and, and understand, especially like what she said, the 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 case where her body tells her it's time that she needs to leave. You know, she's at school, her mind is telling her, yeah, I got to stay, I got to stay, I got to stay, but her body just physically can't do anymore. And we hope that you're being mindful. And I know it's a buzzword to say self-care, but, but you just please keep in mind that you're never going to be able to do everything any year, let alone this year. So make sure you go follow Kiana um, at the art of phonology, her YouTube channel, her TPT, all the different stuff she's doing. Um, and make sure you go follow us at value as value at its.will.law.iii and at its Kyle Krieger. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. Um, we hope you have a great week. We knew uh, by the time this comes out, it's going to be November, which is crazy. Um, so let's, uh, let's keep going. Let's get after it. So have a great week. We'll talk soon.